Welcome to the Hawkeye Psychic Podcast. And you're very welcome back to the Hawkeye Psychic Hurling Podcast with your host, Mark Kennedy. I have Kieran Collins with me tonight. Kieran, how are things? Good, Mark. How are you well? Oh, sure. Grand, grand, all good. God, that was a very exciting uh, weekend of action there, I suppose. Headlines really. Limerick beating Waterford. And, uh, I thought it was a phenomenal game in the TUS Gaelic Grounds. Claire Cruz passed a very poor tip challenge in FBD Simple Stadium. Dublin probably the marquee headline in Leinster, uh, beating Wexford by a point. And I think deservedly so, and we'll run the rule over that. And there were routine wins for Kilkenny and Galway as kind of Leash and Westmead kind of struggled to kind of hit the heights of round one. So maybe, Kieran, we'll focus in on the TUS Gaelic Grounds. Uh, I thought it was a superb game from start to finish. The physicality was unreal. Uh, what were your thoughts? Absolutely, yeah. it was it, it was living up to be a classic, and I suppose it didn't disappoint. Um, two teams that really fronted up to each other physically. Um, <clears throat> I suppose, in hindsight, looking back, both teams having a break, so I suppose they could afford to go at it. I know Limerick probably came out the worst in the end regarding the loss of of Keane Lynch, but adding to the the long injury list. But you know, looking at the game as a whole, it was just. Uh, tit for tat all the way I suppose until you know 55th 60 minutes and I suppose Limerick showing how good a team they are they just started to pull away uh, I think it's a real sign of a team that like two quick goals in succession like and you know a point in the game like majority of teams would probably have folded at that point but uh, I think Kylie even alluded to it after the game like to create the next six score uh Scoring chances, you know, they only converted two, but like the fact that they were there converting the chances, you know, it is a positive. Uh, I think like scoring accuracy is probably something that it was always an issue in Limerick, and it's something that they've really improved on in, in over the years. But you know, I think as the season go on, you'll probably see that uh, success rate improve. You know, and I suppose if it does, it's a it's a scary thought for for teams who are trying to contest against him. Yeah, absolutely, Kieran. I thought it was fascinating, even at the start of the match, just to see the, the personnel switches. Sean Fitton switched to left full back, and then also he had Conor Prunty as well on Gerard um, Hegarty. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I thought there were fascinating switches straight off the bat. You know, there was a bit of kind of mind games going on there. And I mean, Hegarty was probably a, a fairly prominent figure at the start of the match, you know, there was a kind of an early challenge there. Someone could have debated, could have been yellow. He did get a yellow, but he did get an awful lot of punishment as well. Kieran, I didn't think he got much protection from the referee on the night as well. Absolutely, yeah. I suppose, in a way, you look at it, Hegarty as his cards marked with referees. I just think with Hegarty looking at him, it's more so just an awkwardness about him. Like, you know, it looks like he is a real dirty player, but I think it's just a, because he's, his sheer size and his physicality that, you know, and, but when it comes to the other side, when he when he's on the ball, I, you know he's, he's taking a lot of hits there and, and not getting any protection, as you said, from the ref from it from him. So I can totally understand his frustration, and I think to be fair, you know he's holding that fairly well. He's keeping the lid on it. I think he's probably learned a lot from from the Galway game and the red card. And uh, you know it's important that he does keep his composure, and I suppose that's his way of of his way of winning it against the the naysayers, I suppose. Absolutely, Karen. Yeah, because I thought he was very prominent, even you know, for primary ball possession. He won his fair share again. That one where he did catch the ball, he's been absolutely dragged, and then waiting for a free. That never really happened. I thought it was a uh, the crowd really kind of let uh, the referee kind of know about things. But I think going back to the match itself, I mean, Keane Lynch going off after eight minutes, I thought it was a significant kind of blow for Limerick. But in fairness, step forward, Cahill O'Neill, the great core manager man, really delivered at Totten Spades. And has to be, dare I say, a candidate to maybe start more games for Limerick in the championship this season. Absolutely, and I think I think a lot of uh, it's commendable too to the management. Like they're not rushing these young guys in. You know, last year, Cahillany was introduced to the senior team. You know, he would have came on for one or two games, probably more so in the league. Same with like an up and coming, another up and coming star like Adam English. Like you know, this year we we got a few minutes in a couple of games. We're not going to see any more of him. So, like, they're not rushing these guys, you know, they're bringing them along slowly, they're getting them the experience they need. And, like, 
to be fair, this year, Cahill O'Neill has just really stepped up. You know, he's uh, exceptional. Some of his shot selection might be a bit questionable, but I think that's all just down to experience. I think that will just get better. You know, he's strong, he's quick. Uh, and I think if you were to listen to John Kiley after the game, whether it's Keane Lynch or Kyle Hayes that goes off, it's just, in, in their eyes, it's the next man in. So the next man who's there in that squad and they just do the same job. And like another team to lose their talisman like Keane Lynch, you know, it, it should be, you know, a, a real negative for the team. And it is a negative that Keane Lynch we lost out or had to go off injured. But to, to come in and fill shoes like of Lynch's and he was just incredible, I thought. I think, you know, real good trait of a player is that the ball is always attracted to a player. And I feel that with Cahill in an awful lot, that the ball gets attracted to him. You know, he's a great game reader. He does seem to be in the right place at the right time to be picking up these passes, stuff like that. Now, as we say, shot selection maybe. I think he learned massively from the outing. I mean, he got a good quality 70 minutes under his belt, if you take it into account the entry time. And I think that can only be a plus for Limerick. I suppose as well, the Patrick's Well contingent really did step up to the plate here, uh, Kieran as well. Dermot Burns continuing his strong, strong championship start with a phenomenal kind of six points uh, from place balls. And then with Conor Prunty out, <laughs> looking to basically out-hurl Gerard Hegarty, it left massive space inside for the one and only Aaron Galland to really make in, I think, an exceptional performance from uh, the sharpshooter from Patrick's Well. Yeah, and Look, without being critical on Galan, it's about time, I think. You know, Galan has that has that talent, you know, and he uh, sometimes you kind of question, you know, sometimes he just frustrates you sometimes the way, you know, um, performance he puts in. But I, like Saturday night, he was just incredible, you know, uh, over the shoulder, you know, just when he's on, he's on. Um, and, and he was on Saturday night. Really impressive, you know, uh, and and needed because we we are lacking in, in the full forward line, you know. So, like Graham McCahy, I think for two days in a row, I don't think he scored. Now he's doing a lot of work, and was unlucky not to. He had a, probably a half goal chance there where he slipped when he just caught the ball in front of goal. But like compared to last year, where you had Jamie Flanagan and Peter Casey, really, you know, um, knocking on scores every game they play, like so. The only like Boylan didn't score either, so our only inside forward to score was Galan, you know. So we, we do need him scoring. Uh, I think as well, Dara Donovan this year, I think, was absolutely unreal. You know, it's some midfield partnership. Like, I, I think you know, he can be criticized and seen as a weak link in the team, but I think this year, just you know, he's got about his business, uh, himself and Will Dunne, who are just they're probably the best midfield in the country. Like, the two points he scored to take it out from a three point game to a five point game, like, there. They're huge scores to get, uh, you know, really showing his composure. And, uh, you know, there isn't many midfields in the country that could pull up the two of them boys. No, absolutely. You know, I think I don't know who was so dominant, wasn't he? You know, it's 50-50 second balls. Like, he just literally was completely the focal point, you know, really setting up the attacks. Dara Donovan has got a lovely style about him in terms of his hurling, hurling skill set, you know, really kind of a great distributor of a ball as well. And I suppose, like, so Barry Nash as well. I mean, defensively, I thought Limerick Road standing in that third quarter didn't give Waterford a sniff. Now, Ozzy Gleeson came in, had lovely cameos in that first half, cannon lines as well. Adjustments were made at halftime from Limerick, and they were kind of snuffed up for a little bit. But I suppose credit to Austin Gleeson. I thought his movement throughout the game was absolutely phenomenal. You know, he had a few sideline cuts, three points from play. But when other players in Waterford were kind of literally not there, I thought Gleeson showed kind of his talent and his leadership uh, for the Watford cause and I suppose, you know, prompting that final quarter kind of comeback for them. Yeah, and the three the three players I think you mentioned that I would have picked out that had an unbelievable game for Waterford, Ozzy Gleeson would have been one of them. Yeah, he's just, you know, he's back to what he was a couple of years ago. A real trek going forward. Uh, Desi Hutchinson, like, you know, you look at the last few games where Limerick would have played Waterford. Sean Finn would have had his card marked. Like, you know, he would have held him scoreless and, you know, he really struggled against Finn. And I think maybe it could be the monkey off the back for Hudson in that regard. Like, you know, scoring five points uh, looked really good, especially in the second half there. He notched off three points in a row. He was unbelievable. And, and Lyons as well, you know, he's uh, 
you kind of compare him to Kyle Hayes for me, like, you know, a big, big type lad, uh, physical and, you know, running that goal. You know, he's a dangerous type of guy. And I think once you get Jamie Barron back in there as well in midfield, like, you know, he'll add to that threat. But I think really, like, you know, we probably won't give Limerick the credit to you as much as other people because we're from it. And we, you know, you don't want to seem over cocky or confident. But I think looking at Limerick to to beat your, your closest rival, without four all-star players has to be a sign of how good this team are. You know, if you were to compare the players like uh, Peter Casey, I would compare to Desi Hudson, you know. So if, if Waterford missing Desi Hudson, Kyle Hayes, I compare him to, to Lyons. Jamie Flanagan, say Stephen Bennett and Lynch for Ozzy Gleeson. So if Waterford were missing Hudson, Lyons, Bennett and Ozzy Gleeson, they, you know, they wouldn't be a patch of a team. You know, so I think it's a real credit as to how how well they've performed the last two games with, you know, such significant injuries. You know, hopefully, I think uh, you'd, you'd, you'd hope that the Tipperary game would be uh, kind of a formality, you know, Saturday week, Sunday week. And, you know, you'd be looking strong with six points going into the last game. You you, you wouldn't need a result in, in Ennis. And uh, I suppose the... The outlook the management will probably have is to try and get all four guys back, you know, fit and for the for the All Ireland series, you know, when it really matters, really really important, like you know. Exactly. I think results do breed success as well, Karen. I don't think there's any. They will go hammer and tongs here to go four from four, you know. But I suppose going back to Waterford, I suppose you know, Liam Cal, Michael Bevins, I suppose they had very much high hopes going in. I mean. As we said last week in this podcast, they have a, a week by week after you know the two week window. So this really was the one that they could really target. But I suppose the lull. But then you know the two goals from Stephen Bennett and also Jack Prendergast as well, which maybe exposed a few things again from Limerick defensively. You know that run game from Watford, which was pretty sporadic at times. They had threatened it in the first half. But for that Jack Prendergast goal as well, maybe a little bit of concern here from Limerick in terms of being cut open very a la Shane Kingston against Cork. Yeah, very similar goals, I suppose, if you look at them. But I'm going to give the benefit of doubt on him. You know, Mikey Kiley, he's he's obviously only back from nearly a two-year hiatus. And uh, I think the more games these guys play together, the, the better as a defensive unit they get. You know, I think if you look... Walford also had <clears throat> two goal opportunities. One was, I think, Mikey Kiley was blocked by Nash. And the other, I think it was Gleeson, it was blocked by Finn. You know, so that was defensively, they were, you know, the hell for him there. Like, Walford are going to bring goal threat, you know. So I think, okay, I, I think there'll probably be a, lot, a disappointment about Stephen Bennett that they should have been stopped. You know, so I think if you're, if you're only conceding one to two goals against, uh, you know, a... A goal-seeking Waterford team. I think you're actually probably doing okay. Yeah, because as we've seen in the league, Waterford have really had that goal threat, you know, the three, four goals. And, you know, I think Hutchinson had flashes, you know, Stephen Bennett as well. Maybe, I suppose, Waterford, from their perspective, maybe a bit of shot selection issues down the stretch, and particularly in that opening period when they had a nice little breeze behind them. Um, Maybe some things to learn from, but I think... From Liam Cal and Michael Bevan's perspective, the team never gave up, which is fair enough. But as you said, Karen, at the start of this podcast, I think the composure that Emmerich showed, you know, particularly when it went down to a one-point game, the momentum was all with Watford, but their composure, and again, Declan Hannan again at centre-half back, being composed, orchestrating things, setting up the attacking platform, and then bang, you know, we get the few points in front. And again, had a few points uh, missed at the end, but it was just their sheer composure. I think it's just that team ethic within Emmerich. They're just kind of you know, they're all in together, the composure, the willingness to kind of work so hard for each other, really did come out in spades there, particularly in the last eight minutes when the game was really in the melting pot. Yeah, look, it's it's evident they're playing to a, a structure. They're all so familiar and comfortable to structure. So I think when you when Kylie's saying, you know, next man in, if it's a case, the fella goes down, that's, they're all comfortable with, and they know the job they have to do. I think you look at uh, Boylan, you know, who's kind of a surprise inclusion for the game. He didn't score, but he worked his socks off, you know, mm-hmm. physically, yeah. you know, one freeze and just that threat that's all that was there. And he was there to do a certain job and he did it, you know. So I think the team take to the field knowing what their job is and what they have to do. I think for Waterford, I think everything would have to go right for Waterford 
to to have a chance of beating Limerick. I think Stephen Bennett has been poor the last few days, and he had an unbelievable league. I don't think he scored from play the last few days out. You know, okay, he took his goal very well and obviously hit his freeze. But I think it's another axis that needs to be at his top of his game. You know, I think Bennett needs to be scoring from play. Hudson needs to be scoring from play. Ozzy Gleeson, they all need to perform at their very best to even have, have a slim chance of beating Limerick. I think, you know, if... if in we are take out injuries. I think if 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 Limerick were to get the four players that are missing back, um, you know, I think they're they're huge game players, absolutely huge game players. And I think you've probably hit the nail on the head here, Karen. That Clare game in Cusick Park could be a time where you're kind of maybe penciling in the likes of a Seamus Flanagan or a Kyle Hayes getting in a little bit of game time ahead of a not getting ahead of ourselves. But maybe a monster hurling final just to get that momentum going in terms of form and getting continuity away. I mean, Tom Morrissey as well at two points as well. And the subs bench as well came on mighty for Limerick as well. You know, you had Pat Ryan, David Reedy chipped in with a point each, coupled with the three points from Cahill and Neil as well. So I think the subs that did come on did actually make an impact. So I think all in all, I think the physicality, I think it was such a massive advert for the Munster Championship and All Ireland hurling. And I think Sky Sports were pretty thrilled to have that game live. Yeah, and I think looking at the subs, actually, a lot of people would have wrote off the. the uh, look, at this is talking very early, it's two or two games in, but a lot of people would have wrote off Limerick's sub bench before the championship started, you know, compared to Waterford's, where they had, you know, these star players to come on. I don't think Waterford got one score off the bench on Sunday, oh. you know. So you exactly. compare that to Pat Ryan coming on, who, look, Pat Ryan gets his fair bit of slack, but. You know, he's a great sub to bring in and he will score nearly every game. Reedy, again, these players would have been highly criticised, especially in this year's league. Um, but the, to be fair, the last two games they've come on, they've performed and they've scored. You know, so, you know, we, we all know from the last couple of years, it's like it's it's not about 15 players anymore. You know, so you have your starters, you have your finishers. And these guys coming on are as important as the guys starting. I really did short and spades in that last 10 minutes, you know, Waterford coming back into it. And, uh, you know, the composure was there for everyone to see, really, at the end, where Waterford were taking a few pot shots from kind of impossible kind of distances. Limerick being very composed, playing the flanks, getting space, getting the freeze, getting the, the points. So I think even from Waterford's perspective, they didn't, they weren't unscathed from it. Erda Daly looks as if could be a long-term absentee as well. You know, he went down early and then played on and then went down again. With he a, probably should have went off earlier. I probably, you know... It's yeah, justice to him, really. Indeed, and you have to applaud the player for trying to kind of keep going, but I think long-term-wise injury, uh, that could be a bit of a serious kind of dent for him. And I think all in all, I think it's kind of set up quite fascinating for this rivalry going forward anyway. I don't think it'll be the last time we'll see these two maybe in a, a championship uh, meeting, but I think given the Limerick personnel changes, maybe, maybe an opportunity lost for Watford. But I suppose they can bring a few positives into the next time, potentially, that they face Limerick. I suppose, Kieran, can we then switch to FBD, Semple Stadium? I won't lie, I'm 43 years old. I spoke to my father last night, who was a passionate Tipperary supporter. I think, from my perspective, that was probably one of the worst Tipperary performances I've seen in a Munster Senior Hurling Championship game in my lifetime. What were your reactions to that eight point win for Clare? Um, I just didn't think Tip were at the pace of the game from minute one and really were exposed in all facets of play. Yeah, I think, you know, pretty early on in the league, uh, Tip had been written off this year. Uh, you know, I don't think anyone believed that they would be contesting for top three teams in Munster. And then they came out and played Waterford and kind of surprised people, and me included. Um, you know, I thought they really pulled up to the water for that day. They, you know, they... They uh they play with a bit of intensity, you know the young guys kind of were performing well uh, with the older guys too. You know it seemed like there was a good mix there, but it was just chalk and cheese the two performances. I think um there was a zero intensity, zero intensity to play. There was no, you know, compare the intensity compared to like a Waterford or Limerick. You know the Clare just ran at them. They opened them up time and time again. I think it's really hard to know how good this Clare team are. I think Tipperary possibly made them very, look very, very good. I suppose time will tell. But uh, it's, you know, for Tipperary, a, a proud hurling team or, you know, one of the um, the, the main stays in, in this the hurling champion every year, you know, and it's 
this isn't something that can be fixed this year. Like this is, this is going to take a couple of years to get for it to get right. I think so, Karen. I think even you could see the strength and conditioning, the physicality, the fitness. Claire had it in every line. I just didn't get the sense here in Tipperary. Um, obviously, Colin Bonner. Colin Bonner has literally gone on record and said this is a rebuild job, work and transition. But dear God, yeah, like I think they may have overperformed in Walsh Park and then this performance, maybe there's somewhere kind of in the middle in terms of this. But, you know, you kind of look at Tipperary right now. It's kind of a little bit grave. I think in terms of defensive naivety, again, really costing him badly. Brian Hogan, I don't know what his thoughts were after the match because he produced two phenomenal saves. He couldn't do any more. He couldn't do any more. But again, when you're seeing guys literally player overlaps 40 metres out, wouldn't you think there was nothing? It was man on man. And then the tip back line, the pace issues here, particularly in the half back line, and midfield. Midfield, I think, is a weak point for Tip. I think the half-back line have to push up so far, they're leaving massive gaps, and no better team. You have Shane O'Donnell, Tony Kelly, Ryan Taylor, speed merchants. They're literally going to create the overlaps all day long, and so it kind of proved. I think for Colin Bonner, I think this is... And I think the acceptance around the Tipperary crowd in the FBT Simple Stadium was very much of acceptance that this would happen, but I, even the most avid Tipperary fan, you have to be pressing an alarm bell here, because Looking at the player development-wise, this is, as you say, it's going to take a few years, even for the strength and conditioning, the physicality, the fitness required to get to the Limericks and Waterfords. There are a million miles off it at the moment. Absolutely. And I think if you look at, um, I think it was Dogan's goal, there was four on two in, in that goal, oh, you know. Yeah. Uh, as a, you know, Hargon and Brian Hogan, I thought he, you know, two amazing saves. You know, Dogan was there for the handy tapping. Um yeah, the I think going into the championship, I yeah I would have obviously feared for Tipperary, but I thought with some of the elder statesmen like Ford, uh, Noel McGrath, obviously John McGrath, obviously you know he went off with a bad injury, you know, but even Ford like Ford didn't score from play, you know it was all place balls, and I think as well the last day, you know he struggled scoring from play, you know they were the guys I needed to to take it from. I think the only Tipperary player who you could really say. Uh, died with his boots on was Cahal Barrett yeah. to be fair uh, I think he was one of the only ones he's not a player I particularly like but I think to be, to be fair to him he was just unbelievable and he you know he went all out to he caught, he definitely won his own battle yeah I think Claire, you know there's some really you know I think Kelly there, Kelly isn't going to be relied on as much as he was last year let's say you know with Peter Duggan now and O'Donnell back in you know they're they're carrying the can a little bit with, with him as well. So I think, uh, you know, this Clare team, they're, they're, they probably would be question marks defensively, but uh, there's some some star players yesterday. Like Rory Hayes, unbelievable performance. John John Connell, you know, I think he's probably playing his best hurling since he's moved to centre-back. You know, he won't get the same space he got yesterday, making runs up the field. But, uh, you know, that will that game and that result will do Clare and O'Hare going forward. They'll gain a lot of confidence and they will not fear Cork one bit going to Turles. Yeah, because we usually have Rory Walsh on, very passionate six mile bridge man with us on the podcast. And, you know, he was kind of concerned going in here that, you know, this game was a must win for Clare. But I think even Rory being in the crowd yesterday, I think he'd have to be kind of the nerves would have been really settled after that first 15, 20 minutes in terms of how Ian Galvin's goal went you know, particularly the Peter Duggan goal and also Tony Kelly's the penalty, you know, it was literally, you know, didn't have to work too hard for them. But I think, as you say, it's a very exciting attacking unit, isn't it, really, there with those three. And then you have the likes of the Ryan Taylors. Malsey comes on, gets two points as well. Carmelo, Malone, solid performer in midfield. John Condon, Connor Cleary, maybe on the knife edge a little bit with the early yellow. And there were a few chances for Tip. Now, despite Tip being so poor, Third minute, Jason Ford's goal goes in, maybe changes the course of the game. Breen also had a chance at twelve in 12 minutes as well. That doesn't go in, but I'd say from a temporary perspective, like Joe Brown's goal, but there were just the inaccuracy. It was just literally all over the shop, really, wasn't it? I think it's 16 wides. Like, so you had yeah. 16 wides to the three or four goal chances. You know, it might have been a closer game, but... You know, I don't. Claire weren't pushed at all. You know, they were, they were, they were never contested. 
Um, they had it their own way, and I think it was just a matter of they took the foot off the gas for the second half. They, they didn't need to um, go at it as hard. And, uh, you know, I suppose they go into that game of Cork, having not had a hard game at the weekend. Aver Quilligan, though, that he won't want to see that goal again. You know, like we, we all know how important the goalkeeper is now, especially in the new type game or the, you know, in the modern game. And uh, you need a steady goalkeeper, and you know that was, you know, um, wasn't good. No, certainly wasn't good. I think that's kind of a really kind of flash in the pan. Really, I mean, typically that sort of thing doesn't really happen at inter-county level, does it? Karen uh, Ree, really, to be fair, and I think clear video analysis probably, you know, kind of close the eyes there at that one. But I think from that perspective, I think from Claire, the third quarter maybe is one area where even Rory had warned about this in WhatsApp you know, literally to us, that he worried that maybe Clare would kind of sit back on the lead. And, you know, Jared Brown's goal, he was unopposed for 40-metre run, which really, if you think about Cork and Tarlis, you, you think of an established run game, the intensity there, they're not going to get away with that, particularly against Cork and particularly against Waterford and Limerick. So I think that lull, you know, they were never really seriously challenged. It went to about seven, eight points, but never at any stage did you feel that Tipperary were anyway kind of in this game. But again, Puck out distribution as well was very, I thought, one-dimensional. I thought, I think I counted two or three kind of short puck outs, maybe with 10, 15 minutes to go when the game wasn't in the melting pot. Didn't think there was much variation, you know, but I think from a clear perspective, they do have scope for improvement, which I think is good for Brian Lowe and James Moore and the rest of the backroom staff there, that they can really kind of focus on it. But I think overall, mission accomplished. We can say as much as we want about Tipperary and how poor the performance was, but at least Clare have points on the board. They can now come to Tardis really and really test a Cork team that look a little bit vulnerable after that Limerick result and maybe, you know, rattle them and see where the composure is uh, in round three. I think it'll be a fascinating game. Yeah, this is going to be a really hard game to call because, you know, are we going to see a different Cork uh, team, a different strategy? You know, it's hard to know. I think the, the word is they've all been locked away in folder for the last couple of days. So... I'm sure there's some real home truths coming out and, uh, you know, they're going to have a long, hard look at themselves. It's a bit early in the season to be doing it, but nonetheless, that's from the position they're in. Yeah, I think it's going to be a real ding-long battle. It, it, it's it's basically like a cup final, I think, you know, because you'd imagine winner of this game has the advantage of, of at least being, I think, maybe third or maybe even second, depending on how Waterford's uh, next few games go. It'll be really interesting to see what Cork do. Will they will they stick with the defensive structure they've been playing with and the players in certain positions, or do they twist? Um, really interesting to see. I'm look. I'm sure they're going to come out uh, with fire in the belly and you know I'm wanting to kind of turn around the results of the last two games. Uh, Clare will have to bear that in mind, but I think. Saying that Clare won't fear them, you know. I think I think Limerick and Waterford, Waterford have shown how to get to the Cork team, as it was, and uh, I think with Clare's attacking threat, you know, it's something that Cork will definitely have to look at. Uh, you know, I think uh, Shane O'Donnell was unbelievable. You know, winning his own ball, you know, just the runs, his touch was unbelievable. You know, for a guy that has been missed, you know, hasn't heard all last year, you know, to just come back into a, an intercounty setup and play as well as he did. You know, it was really impressive. Uh, and these guys will cause Cork trouble, you know, unless Cork have really changed things around in the last two weeks. Absolutely. And you, you throw in the likes of young Meehan wasn't considered for the Clare selection. Can you imagine him in the full forward line yesterday, uh, Kieran Collins? Because, I mean, poor Brian McGraw went in and, you know, the third goal, you know, literally he's all, you know, panic. He sees a ball coming in, Duggan's behind him, he can't see the penalty. But, like, Meehan with the, the, the pace... You could have Marin Shanahan there as well, you know, physical intent, and particularly in the Cork full back line that, let's face it, is a little bit shaky at the moment. I think, as you say, Kieran, I think it's all points to a very competitive game, and it'll be very interesting just to see both sides. I think Clare will have to up the intensity because that game yesterday was chalk and cheese to what we've seen in Limerick uh, on Saturday night. I mean, they were kind of poles apart, really, in terms of physicality. But I think for Clare, it's a lovely start, and again, maybe come under the radar a little bit going into that Cork game. Maybe a chair might be getting blamed a little bit down in Cork. Um, I'm sure it'll be an advantage for Clare's or yeah. uh, motivation, you know, for Clare. Like the, the fact that Cork just nominated Turles, you know, uh, and not maybe fight for Pocky in 
Um, was it was like Cork were, they might see it. The Cork were kind of looking down on them and, and saw it as a victory before it started. Um, I'm sure Brian Lowen will use any sorts of motivation he can. And uh, you know, to be fair, like Duggan and McDonald back in after long spells away, like this far, they're they're going to get better. I think as the games go on. Tony Kelly wasn't probably at his best yesterday, scoring wise. He's done an awful lot of work, but like. Kelly will have these days where he's gonna, you know, he's gonna hit goal and he's gonna you know, score master score as he normally does, uh, and that on top of the, the attack and threat that's there, as you mentioned, Shane me and to come in like you know, um, clear okay, you know, there's no fear clear uh, in, in the way they are at the minute. Um, they have young lads there. Uh, I think Aidan McCarthy as well, who's, you know, a long-term injury. I don't know if they're going to get him back for this year, but you know, he would be a huge advantage uh, in midfield when he does come back. Um, added to that team, like you know, they're they're um to be a match for any any of the big teams. Oh God, absolutely, you know, with that forward line particularly, and uh, it'll be kind of a, a fascinating watch, really. And uh, I think you have to give credit to James Kennedy yesterday as well. I thought James Kennedy as well, along with Barrett, you know, really died. I thought with his boots on yesterday, you know, he only kind of restricted Kelly for two points from open play, you know, really tried to take the fight as well to kind of tip for tip. But what do you do when if you can't bother? <laughs> Kieran, you know, you have the bye week coming up and then you have to travel to the reigning All-Ireland champions. Now, I know Tipperary historically to US Gaelic Grounds. It's almost like second home for Tip. But what do you do if you're a Tipperary here in terms of team selection? Do you kind of throw caution to the wind here? Give guys that were on the subs bench a bit of a, a cameo? Because I think there was a few guys here in that performance yesterday that really should be looking over the shoulder for kind of being dropped from the starting lineup. Uh, I think the planning should probably start now. You know, the, the restructure, the rebuild. Look, I don't think Colin Bonner can be held accountable for any of this. You know, this is what he inherited. I think everyone kind of predicted this was going to happen even last year. You know, that, you know, I suppose a lot of people think the Sheedy left Tipperary Hurling high and dry. Um, I, he, I think he had his eye on one thing, and that was to try and win another All Ireland with the, the group of players he had. Uh, obviously, they've lost. An awful amount of players that they would have had last year. Um, the Mars, you know, um, Bubbles, you know, these guys who would have been stalwarts for Tipperary. Um, Shamie Canlon, you know, John McGrath got off injured. So they're, it's a complete change of a team from what they had last year. And I think going forward, I think, I think they're just going to have to start now, you know, just bring in these young lads or whatever plan he has for the future like okay Ford isn't that old but Jamie Cannon I imagine isn't going to feature possibly mightn't see him anymore for tip even uh, you know it's I suppose if the youth is there I suppose it's questionable if it is uh, you know I I don't think there's no easy way around this for Bonner I don't think there's any if the players aren't there you know he can't as I say you can only piss with the Mickey you have so it's um, it'll be really, really, really hard times for Tip going forward. I think. Yeah. No, if I was Colin Bother, I'm not. But I think from a, a spying perspective on the team, Brian Hogan, Barry Heffernan fullback, Bonamar, Michael Breen, and Bonamar full forward, and maybe Noel McGrath in a half forward swinging into that middle third, and then you kind of work whoever you want. Ger Brown probably comes back in. That sort of thing. But then again, you're looking at squad depth. Um, John McGrath, it looks as if a very serious injury for John yeah, McGrath. I think it's Achilles tendon is the word. Yeah, that's yeah. absolute blow for the player. Uh, wish him well. So then it comes down to squad depth. Are guys really kind of doing it in training? If they are, they have to kind of put them in. I'd say there should be no pressure on Tipperary going into the TUS Gaelic grounds in round three. And I'm expecting them to be a little bit more improved. I think there will be a bit of flack, you know, notably, you know, kind of more hurt than the players themselves and management of how things have went yesterday. So I think Limerick will be cautious. They will be aware that there will be some sort of response, but you would think with Limerick, if they can focus on performance and composure, then they should get the win. But I think Tipperary, really, as you say, Karen, have to really start planning for long-term and really kind of getting strength and conditioning, getting the, the, the backroom, the infrastructure right within the seniors setup. It's been done in the underage academies. You can see the results are starting to pick up here. So I think from a senior perspective, it's now a long-term program. Colin Bonner has to be committed to by the county board now. 
this is maybe kind of a wake-up call for maybe one or two delegates within the county board, but it's now not time to panic. And they need to have a guy in the helm here that will leave no stone unturned. And if they could get Tommy Dunn back into a dugout soon enough, I think, you know, maybe next year or the year after, I think they may kind of be competitive. But I think for right now, zero for four looks... But where uh, where did this go wrong? Like, you know, if you were to, I suppose, look internally, I'm sure I'm sure Tip will have their own, um, you know, look at it. Like, how was this let happen from a, you know, from a proud hurling country like or county like Tipperary? You know, we we I could see it last year that, you know, Tip were going to struggle next year. You know, with all the players that had started to walk away in early retirements. You know, I think Wright was on the wall for a long time and. I don't think the youth, the youth that are coming now, you know, the the team who won the twenties All Ireland, you know, if they were that good, I think Sheedy would have had them in there. You know, the centre back for UL today. Uh, yeah, Brian O'Mara, Dylan O'Mara. Connolly. Now they're gone yeah. to the USA on the traveling. So, yeah. but like, if things, like, you know, surely a deal could have been done to to have them around this year. Like, you know, Brian O'Mara was phenomenal in the in the Fitzgibbon final. Um, you know. All Ireland or the series ends in July. You know, go to America then. Um, you know, these. You know, they, they were one of the two guys you would have picked from that team. So you know, but even the minor team now in the twenties team. You know, they need to pump in the resources into that. As you say, conditioning and, and you know, and anything that can be done for them because geez, these guys are going to be needed in the next couple of years. Oh, absolutely. But I, I think it was already pre-committed anyway. I think Brian O'Mara and particularly Connolly as well. I think Connolly's absence has been huge, just in terms of where he can play, the versatility of him. But going back to your point, I think the under-20s, I think the talent was there, Kieran, but I think it was opportunity lost. And I think it was a bit cheap on Liam Cheedy's part to really kind of stick the knife in at half-time yesterday, given that quite a few under-20s have moved to the football because not getting trials, not getting enough run in training ground games, asking the question, was there any future for him in the panel? And probably told no, and then literally heading on. So there has been talent lost here. That you know, like Tipperary are proud Hurling County. Like there's no excuses here. The players are being developed and produced underage. Then it's kind of a case of nurturing them on in terms of 16, 18, 20, whatever. And that I think is where Tipperary need to really focus in on is how they really cultivate. Like you see it with Limerick again. You know, like the Cahan and Neil. You know, Coughlin last year. You know, Kilkenny would always bring in the one, two players in. We've ne- never seen that with Tipperary kind of really that much in terms of bringing in blooding new players. I mean, Bonner, to his credit, has been the guy to do that. But this has been well overdue, as you say, Kieran. Four or five years ago, this should have been done, but it hasn't. So there has been a good string of players, and players have emigrated as well because they're not getting a run. They're not going to be getting any realistic time. So talent pool completely you know, diminished, and now they're depending on guys that are very raw, who have the potential there, but are going to need time. They're going to need patience from supporters, but also time from within the county, within the county board, club delegates. They have a coach, Colin Bonner, that has developed hurling programs, WIT. Look, Colin Bonner was the man front and centre of that program. So they have a guy there that will get results, but he needs the support. He needs everything to go his way in terms of everyone rowing with him. So I think, as you say yourself, Kieran. It is going to be a long-term project here. I think Tip have to restick the course. Maybe we can go down to Chadwick, Wexford Park. Uh, Kieran, you're based down in Wexford. What has been the the immediate aftermath of that one-point loss to Dublin? But in fairness to Dublin, I thought they were worthy winners. Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, overall, over the 70 minutes, you know, they were definitely the better team. I think uh, Wexford might have finished strong, but it was all, you know, it was freeze. Wexford had 10 points from play. And two points from the inside six players from play. So I think that tells its own story. They relied heavily on, on, on uh, from place balls. It was 13, 13 frees over the whole game. Um, you know, like Mikey Dwyer, Ocean Foley, Charlie McGuckin, Roy O'Connor, Conor McDonald, Kevin Foley. Two points from all of them six players combined. You know, I think that tells its own story. I kind of highlighted last week that, you know, not enough ball was going into the forwards. And I think that's proof of the pudding there, you know. For two, you know, just for two points from play from from seventy minutes of hurling, it's it's it's, it's diabolical, really. Um, mm-hmm. In saying that, Wexford probably did have chances. You know, they missed one four from place balls. Um, I think Chin hit a few kind of wayward frees. Uh, obviously, the penalty save, great save by Sean Brennan, but you know, a chance nonetheless. 
and Conor McDonald missed an absolute sitter. The, uh, Roy O'Connor plays it. Oh, it was an unbelievable ball across. Turned. He did everything. Did all the hard work. And uh, all he had to do was finish it and missed it. Uh, I think that's it's a sign of you know Conor McDonald consistency. Like he he will he will do it one day. He did it the last day against Galway. You know, got a great goal or you know a sitter's goal, but he got it. Uh, but then the next day, you know, there's no consistency there and. To be a top team, you need your top players playing consistently. End of. Um, Roy O'Connor, you know, he, he worked hard, he, but he's working off scraps. You know, there isn't enough ball going in. And I think it's been highlighted before. Wexford's, you know, half hour line just isn't good enough. It's, it's not doing half as much work. And, uh, you know, they're, most of their shooting and shots are coming from either the, the half-back line midfield uh, I think Wexford need to start trying to get the ball back in. You know, they, they did it early in the league. Roy O'Connor cleaned up. I know he's not going to get the same space in the championship, but, you know, they can't score unless the ball starts to go in. You know, but not taking away from Dublin. Uh, Donald Burke, another unbelievable game, 12 points. Um, you know, and I think Dublin were probably just stronger over the 70 minutes and it probably would have, would have been... Uh, unjust if they didn't win I think coming from the Dublin side we'd kind of mentioned last week I thought it was a nervy performance against Leash opening day opening day nerves but I thought they were so well drilled in terms of their style of play stretching that Wexford defence out width wise and with a guy like Donald Burke and the form that he's in at the moment he's gorgeous strike of a ball you know 12 points 5 from play Superb. I'm really led by example when you saw certain guys in Wexford kind of not really doing it on the other end of the pitch. But um, I suppose Dublin will be very happy. Like last 10 minutes, you were down to 14 players. Keno Callaghan getting the second yellow. Now, I think that maybe have been an accumulation of fouls, maybe, you know, from Fergal Horgan. So, but again, I think from a Dublin perspective, to a man, defensively, they really did put in the shift at the end. I mean, I thought own full back. Then you had Danny Sutcliffe's late block on Liam Ryan. Sean Brennan was absolutely superb in the Dublin goal, you know, for Fanning's penalty. Rory O'Connor had a chance thereafter. So, I mean, to a man, they really did stand up. Uh, and I think, to be fair, maybe the more accurate team on the day. Yeah, I think Keno Callan, he has a bit of form for, let's see, I think it's his second red card this year. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was persistent fouling. Uh, Owen O'Donnell, yeah, he's just... He, Owen O'Donnell's one of the best fullbacks in the country, without a doubt. Uh, even getting up for a point as well, you know. Um, I think that showed Wexford's play, really, when O'Donnell made a run-up. Like, the... Okay, uh, I think it was uh, Lee Moog McGovern chased him and tried to dispossess, but, you know, he still... He dropped the ball, still managed to pick it up and had time to slot it over, you know. Um, the, the work rate from Wexford's half-forward line midfield it's just not what it should be when you compare it to the Waterford's Limericks you know even Clare on, on Sunday you know the it starts from there um it's it's just not there I think as well Cork do this as well like not contesting the short puckouts I think it's just a sign to the other team that it's like we're afraid of you putting the ball long so we're happy to leave you have let you have the ball and rumble the short you know, you're inviting teams on. Uh, I think there was, you know, obviously I said Cork do it as well. I just can't understand why you wouldn't push up and put pressure on them. Um, but I think it's just a real sign that Wexford do not want the ball going long because, you know, they're a bit, okay, their half-back line is probably their best line, but early they wouldn't have the ball winners that other teams might have. Uh, I think, you know, that's something that they should really look at um, going into the next few games because, if you give the likes of Kilkenny free roll to come up with a ball, they're just going to destroy you, you know, going forward. Um, Damien Reck, another unbelievable game again. I think he's probably Wexford's most consistent player all year. Uh, really taking the fight to him. Three points from play. Um, you know, they're not. They're not They're not out. I think they have uh, Leash and Westmead. You know, so you're thinking they're going into the last game with five points. But they're going to have to beat Kilkenny in Nolan Park to have any chance of being in the top three. 
exactly. That's a huge, huge task. But I suppose need to get through Leash and Westmead and build a bit of form, build a bit of momentum going into that game. But I suppose going back to Damien Rick here, uh, um, Kieran, you know, you're the same person as Damien. Um, has he been played out of position here? Because, like, the points looked very much middle field. Would he be a midfield option for Wexford if push came to shove here? I think I think Damien Rick's best position is probably wing back. Yeah. You know, I think he offers so much going forward. Um, he's an unbelievable man marker as well. Uh, actually, his brother Shane is out injured at the minute. He's probably more of a, a man marking defender than what Damien would be. And he's a big loss back there. But uh, yeah, Damien, I think he's unbelievable. He plays centre back for the club. Uh, but questionably as well, I think he should be wing back. He's just, he offers so much going forward. You know, he, he knows where the goal puts are. Uh, he's tough, he's steely, and uh, yeah, I think he's I really impressed him this year for extra. Yeah, no, it was a super cameo from Damien, um, and that second half, some lovely points. Same with Mark Fanning as well, you know, three points, and I suppose the penalty save as well. Is there maybe a discussion down in Wexford in terms of maybe changing a, a penalty taker, um, given that a miss from Fanning, or does uh, Dar Egan retain faith in uh, his goalkeeper to slot these penalties in? Yeah, I suppose as long as I can remember, Fanning was the, the penalty taker. And I suppose you go back to the olden days and uh, Damien Fitzhenry was the same. So it must be a, a trend in Wexford, I don't know. But yeah, look, usually he, he usually he's solid. I think I think he, he hit the ball well. He hit it right. I think just Sean Brennan pulled off a, an incredible save. But I think yeah. credit to I think credit to Dublin. You know, they, we, we kind of questioned him after the league. You know, they started really well. But now, like, they have four points. Uh should have six after the weekend, you know. I think which will, I think they try and win one of the last two games against either uh, Galway or Kilkenny or Kilkenny um, for a place in Leinster final. You know what, Karen? Not in the likelihood that they will get to a Leinster final because of their record against Galway is so good in recent years. You know they don't fear Galway. I mean, Leinster hurling championship last year was a complete one-sided affair. So I think Matty Kenny has his homework completely done on. Um, on uh, Galway, um, to be fair. Now, they do, you know, do have Westmead this weekend, so you would think routine enough win there for Dublin and maybe maybe bringing in a few squad players, getting a bit more game minutes in, under their belt, you know. But, uh, yeah, it's a fantastic win for Matty Kenny, the hurling programme again, and kind of builds that momentum in the capital for the senior hurling team. I thought we thought there was maybe an opportunity lost, particularly in the Alliance Hurling League, that they didn't get into a semi-final particularly with the Dublin footballers, there was a bit of a kind of league dip there. But they seem to be kind of turning the corner again. Great win again. And the season seems to be going onward and upward. And thanks to Donald Burke, the sky's the limit, I think. I think I think the uh, not progressing to the league final probably suited them because they're relying on a certain core of players, 12 or 13 guys that are you know, starting every week. They, they needed that month off between league and championship. Um you know, Westmead next weekend, and then it's a, an off week for all the teams. So, yeah. you know, they can, you know, you, it's probably a formality that they'll oversee Westmead uh, and they'll have a week's break to prepare for two two their tough games, uh, Galway, Kilkenny. Uh, I think it's Kilkenny up first. Um, that's a rerun of the league game. It's on in Parnell Park as well. Exactly. So they'll, they'll look for, <coughs> for an improvement from that performance anyway. Indeed. I suppose we can switch to Galway and Kilkenny here now. Unfortunately for Leith and Westmead, the heights of round one where they pushed Dublin and also Kilkenny or Kilkenny fairly hard didn't really materialise here. Um, now, the Galway performance, 337 to 117 was the final score. There are a few injury concerns here, Karen, coming from that game, notably Dahi Burke and Park Mannion kind of withdrew from the game. Connor Whelan does seem to be a long-term doubt. Um, according to media reports here. Again, 13 players on target. Um, they had a phenomenal shooting statistic. From their first 23 shots, they scored 220. Uh, Galway. But it kind of just shown the intensity levels here. Westmead, just not at the pitch of the game. Joseph Cooney top scored with 1-5. Keenan uh, Fahey from Ardrahan scored 1-4 as well. Again, 13 minutes, it was 1-8 to 1 point. Fahey's goal really opening it up. It was all one-way traffic though, in fairness. I think Fortune, the Westmead manager, kind of accepted that Galway were kind of maybe a class apart and just having to kind of regroup a little bit. But 
and I was in Ormore Church there yesterday. There's a vigil for Michael Dignan, the bishop, that's going to get ordained up here. But there, uh, the priest had said that any Galway hurling fans that wanted to come in from half eight, half nine uh, on Saturday evening for a prayer before the Kilkenny game, they were more than welcome. So got a mute response, I have to say, uh, from the crowd. But I think from that perspective, Galway kids are really kind of wondering where this team is at because this game hasn't really proved anything. Um, I think no, it was probably a just a chance for Galway to laugh with his team after the <coughs> after the extra game. Um, you know, I suppose if they're looking for positives, they're really efficient. Two twenty-five from thirty-three shots. You know, you can't argue with that. Um, Gavin Lee impressed me as well. He's only in leaving cert here. You know, and came on get two points. You know, so the young lads are there. I do think this is going to be a project for Shefflin. I don't think they're going to be all Ireland contenders this year, but you know. If they keep producing, and look, this is Galway, like the young lads were always there, you know. Galways have always had good minor and 20 teams or 21s and back in the day. Um, there was no shortage of players there. It was just a matter of getting them together, you know. And probably politics was the biggest issue in Galway to deal with. Yeah, look, I'm sure it's uh, it blew off from Steve to, you know, put some uh, wrongs right. And, uh, you know, they'll, they'll go into the game against Kilkenny. It's, it's it's another huge game, you know. I think this is the game to see who will probably top the group and are definitely content or definitely be in the Leinster final. I probably do question Westmeath and Leash and the damage they must be doing, you know, shipping these heavy defeats. You know, I think I think something the GA definitely needs to look at, and you know, we're Leash better off in the Joe McDonough being competitive than. And when and Westmeath as well, and shipping these heavy defeats week in week out, you know, whatever. But a league campaign, like Offaly had the league campaign in the higher tier, and we're then stepping down a grade. But to be shipping these defeats in league and then it's a championship, like you know, you'd wonder where you know what is it doing for these teams, like exactly. And again, it's the high intensity games here, Karen, week in week out, isn't it? The one-off game, you saw it last week that both teams, Leash and Westmead, really did perform very well. And maybe we can get to Kilkenny down in the UPC, UPMC, Nolan Park. I mean, 234 to 114. Now, I suppose the story of this game really was that Kilkenny got the job done. TJ Reid got good minutes under his belt, 10 points, uh, 7 from freeze. I suppose Owen Cody won 5, uh, Adrian Mullen 6 points. But I suppose Leash, they were absolutely blighted with injuries here, Karen 7 Starters, Delaney, King, Dunphy, Marr, Conroy, Kavanagh, Conway, all unavailable for selection. I mean, even going to Nolan Park with a first 15 from Leash, you're really struggling. So to have those guys really uh, unavailable was probably a bridge too far. I think Cheddar Plunkett maybe maybe alluded to as well. How are you going to pick up guys after a loss like that? You know, going into, you know, you know, the homestand starts now against Wexford. How do, yeah. how, do, how do you bounce back from something like you that? Know, that's what I'm saying. You, you question what good is doing for these teams. Okay, they're playing the top teams and they're 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 getting to experience the intensity and what's required. But like, with no disrespect to Leash or Westmead, they're not at this level. You know, um, it's like if you were converted to to football. You know, it's like a, a Division Three team playing in the Premiership. You know, week in, week out, getting hidings. You know, it's 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 not doing any good. Uh, I think it needs to be looked at. I think there needs to be a restructure. Uh, whether that means losing the monster competition and or Leinster, you know, I think that obviously the the football is in the eye at the minute, or maybe proposed changes coming down the line. But I I just don't think this is working for the teams like Leash and Westmead and Carlo and and these guys who are they're Second, secondary or secondary competition maybe or a B competition needs to be put in place because uh, I think teams are, if you know, even looking at young lads looking at Leash on the television, you know, where's the enticement to pick up a Hurley and play for Leash? You know, if you're shipping Hydens to Kenny or Galway, or, you know, week in, week out, it's no good. Not taking away from Kenny, you know, I suppose they had the advantage of ramping up a little bit slower than what other teams would have to. Uh, you know, pretty scary that they'd like 2.34, get 12 wide in the first half, you know, so what could have been, like, you know, had they converted some of them. Uh, 
121 from the Ballyhale trio, TJ, on Cody and Mullen. You know, that's huge. You know, compare these guys weren't playing early in the league for them. Like, so, you know, to have these back in, hitting scores like that is unbelievable. One thing I will say, though, the, the leash goal, which was well worked, I don't think Cody would not be happy with that. You know, there was like the one pass and, and completely split them open. You know, great finish, really well worked goal. So I think there will be things they'll have to look at. But I think there's certain players who are performing with a bit of consistency for Kenny that sometimes are questionable. I think Walter Watch, four points in play. Again, Podrick Walsh, four points in play. I think you can just mark the team sheet, team sheet before he even starts because every week he's played four or five points in play every game. So, you know, it just shows what, how good a player he is. And, uh, you know, I think it'll have a real, real battle uh, against Galway. And... Uh, you know, at the minute for me, I think uh, I think Kilkenny are definitely favourites to to win Leinster. I think one of the, the the kind of kind of backdrop stories here would be Kilkenny. What selection Cody is going to Brian Cody is going to unveil here because you had TJ obviously coming back, TJ Reid, Connor Brown coming back from the hamstring injury. I think is a key one as well. We hadn't seen him in the league. I think he's a key guy there. You know, does an awful lot of the, you know, the dirty work, the dirty ball work. So I think for him, very, you know, very welcome to come back into the squad. Shane Walsh and Tom Phelan as well. Tom Phelan had a good league, then kind of had the injury against Dublin. He's come back into it as well. So I think we were kind of criticising in terms of squad depth, but I think certain guys now are really putting up the hand. So I think for Brian Cody and selection management team, it will be an interesting selection. But I think here in Galway, there is kind of quite kind of, They've been penciling in this for the start of the year once Henry Shefflin got in charge. I think the Shefflin Cody thing Cody is going factor. to be it's going to be it's going to be kind of written to that and kind of maybe guilty of saying it here in this podcast. But I think what does Henry Shefflin have on his sleeve to really unlock Kilkenny here? Now, Galway guys definitely have to be at the pitch of the game here for sure. But I think it's a fascinating watch to see does the likes of David Burke come in, you know real talisman like that they're going to take the game by the scruff and neck I think it's required and you know Salt Hill here with a 15-20 kilometre breeze coming in from the Atlantic you know it's not going to be a calm day by any stretch off the pitch but certainly on it I think it's going to be a fascinating watch I think Galway are kind of going to be hyped up here uh, I think this is going to be one of probably championship games of the season here in Leinster so I suppose Cairn uh, it's been a lengthy one but maybe some predictions I'm assuming Dublin Wexford accounting for yeah, I suppose. Yeah, is it? Same and then same. your um, call it, I suppose, for Galway Kilkenny. Who do you fancy? Uh, the, the two other games are going to be really hard to call. Uh, but I think, <clears throat> based on what I've seen so far, uh, I know they haven't been tested in the so far with the two games against Leash and Westmead, but I just think, you know, I think Kilkenny are that bit ahead of Galway. Galway are probably playing with a lot more younger guys, and uh, it probably is a, a project and a, a two or three year plan. But I think at the minute, uh, with the players they have, I think Kilkenny. And I'm really torn in the Clare Cork game. Uh, really impressed with Clare. Um, but I'm, you're, you're expecting a bite back off Cork. You know, they've had two weeks now, uh, they've been locked away in four of all accounts. You know, I'm sure they're. They're going to have a real long, hard look at it. Uh, I think the whole Turles thing, you know, is a motivation for Clare. They had cheering, you know, in Parky Creeve. Um, I think, though, I think this Cork are probably going to, probably will have a better forward. You know, the Cork forwards are better than Clare's forwards. It'll all come down to the defence and how they'll handle Clare's attack. But I think there has to be a bite back in Cork, you know. Uh, and for that reason, I'm going to go Cork, but it's really, really close. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think for me, anyway. I think up here in Galway, uh, it'll be. I will tip Kilkenny just purely because I don't think Conor Whelan's going to feature here, and I really do need someone in that full forward line really to lead the line, provide that physicality, that kind of ball. I think Joseph Cooney's been playing outstandingly well, but I think they're going to need a little bit more from Brian Cannon. They may need a little bit more from Gavin Lee, Gartner and Ireland. And against Kilkenny, such sticky backs, I don't think. They will have their flashes, but I just think Kilkenny might just have enough here. But again, I'm just fascinated to see how what Henry Shefflin comes up with in terms of tactics here. What can he do here to expose maybe Kilkenny a little bit? Has he learned from the master? 
or vice versa. I think it'll be an intriguing call anyway. Kieran, it's been a lengthy one here, but many thanks anyway. Some great yeah. points here. And uh, yeah, um, we can definitely certainly review the games from uh, next week. Uh, uh, thanks very much. Cheers, Mark. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. If you liked what you heard in this podcast, why not subscribe to the Hawkeye Psychic podcast on either Amazon, Spotify, YouTube, or Twitter platforms. You can also follow me at Hawkeye Psychic on Facebook and Twitter for the latest sporting opinions, articles, and reports.